Thank you for listening to our Bellwether podcast. The message today is a Bellwether movement, and our scripture is Acts 8, 1 through 8, and 1 Peter 2, 1 through 5. The theme of this message is how to have true joy for your life in being a leader for Christ and being a Bellwether for Christ. We hope you enjoy the podcast, and we'd love to see you at our worship service, Jackson Academy Performing Arts Center, 1030 in the morning, every Sunday. Thank you. God bless. Before we open up a time to look into God's Word, let's, uh, let's pray again together. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would know, truly know, you are making all things new. You can make us new. Dear Lord, I pray that you make me even more new today in life with Christ. I pray you make these people that are gathered here even more new and walking in new life with Christ. I pray that we would realize in the rubble of death, and it may be physical, it may be relational, it may be a loss of, of some sort, friendships, finances, marriages, you can make us new. May we know that. That is the gospel. That is, the, that is life. May we believe it. May we see it. May we hear it. May we live it. All things new. And we give you thanks that you already are doing that. Starting with Christ and the resurrection, you're making this world new. Let us live it. Let us live him. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all can be seated. Thank you all again for being here. Uh, if you have your Bibles, please turn to Acts chapter 8. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we believe we have some Bibles up there on the table. Um, let me just say, getting going... This is a, uh, not that I'm not honest when I preach, I try to be honest, but I think this is going to be uh, a more honest message um, about who we are as a church, Bellwether, where we are and where we're going. And so it's probably, you know, if, if you've been with us as a church, either from the beginning or, you know, in the last year or two years, um, it's going to be honest, it's going to be transparent. Uh, if you're new today, if today is your first Sunday here, it actually is a great glimpse into us, into the life of our church. But uh, I want to start with this question, and the question would be, and a lot of us have, have asked this, have, have thought this in the life of Bellwether, how do you grow a church? I mean, when we first started out, I was, I was reading all types of stuff, you know, books and strategies, and Chris would read stuff, Jill, we'd all, you know, get together and talk, and you know, we talk about those things, and it's very easy to say and to see, hey, get a good business plan, for lack of a better word. You know, get a good facility, good music, good preaching, parking, in a good space in town, and, you know, it just, it happens. The church grows. Now, I, I would argue a couple of things. Yes, that can definitely grow a church, but does it truly grow a church. And I'm not talking about just numbers and people or numbers of groups or things like that. I'm talking about the depth. I'm talking about growing disciples. Disciples. Because I know a lot of just massive churches around the world that um, are like dead spiritually. And people come and go and they park and they drop the kids off and all that. But in terms of raising leaders, raising disciples, it just it's not happening. So you could say, okay, yeah, that can get people to come, or maybe that can get a crowd, but are you growing the church? 
A, uh, a person that I really admire, a pastor in New York City, Tim Keller, a lot of y'all know who he is, a lot of, he talks about revival. Revival, truly growing the church. And he says you've got to have five things. And those, these five things, they, they overlap into one another. But a church just lives these five things, whether 10 or 50 or 100 or 1,000 or more. Powerful worship. And I'm not talking about just sound or acoustics, but people that, that just want to worship God, that are thankful, that come to worship. And it's just powerful. It's spirit-filled. could be traditional. could be contemporary. Powerful worship. He says a depth of teaching. You want to know God's Word, that this isn't just some, some rote book. It is, it is life. It is the Word of God. It is God-breathed. And you want to look into that on a Sunday morning in a group, in a Bible study. And there's a depth of learning and teaching. Aggressive evangelism. Now, that's a very churchy Sunday school word, but meaning that like you've got to go and get people there, whether it's Sunday morning or whether it's a group, because there are lost people out there, whether we realize it or not. There are lost people in our churches, and we're all evangelists, we're all missionaries, say, hey, come, come be part of this, come be part of this mission trip, come be part of this mission today, come be part of this service, come be part of this group, come. Then there's intimate community. A lot of us have felt that here, not just the beginning today, where and we love one another. We take care of one another. It's what groups are about. It's what we want. There's, there's community. And then there's last mission, to go into the world, locally, literally to our neighbor, to the world. So for revival, Tim Keller would say, to happen, for true growth to happen, Man, you're hitting on all five of those fronts. You're worshiping. You're falling on your face. You're learning. You're going and reaching out to people. You've got the community and you're, you're going wherever Jesus calls you. We want to be a church that is always experiencing revival. And I would say, you know, in, in like total honestly, out of those five, sometimes we hit on some of them you know, effectively, sometimes we don't. But, but where we're going as a church, we want to experience all five. We want you to experience all five of those. And together they overlap to be the church, to be a real church, experiencing revival, growing a church. That's what I want. That's what our staff wants. That's what we want here at Bellwether. Now, some of y'all know what Bellwether means. I mean, it, actually, it's a very... Simple, clear vision that we have here. I mean, our vision's tied to the name of the church. And I get asked that all the time. What, what's the deal with Bellwether? Why, why Bellwether? Bellwether's a synonym for leader. But it also would mean like pace setter, trailblazer. You hear the word Bellwether a lot in, in these days politically because you'll say, hey, that state, that's a Bellwether state. You watch that state and you'll see where the country's moving. So Bellwether, I mean, from its beginning... I said, we want to be a bellwether church. We want to be a leader as a church. And we want to raise leaders, disciples. That's a great commission. That's what Jesus calls us to do. Do that in family. Do that in youth. Do that in worship. Do that in teaching, preaching, groups, missions, raising leaders. And you know what's interesting? And my wife, and um, she was doing a Good Morning Girls dinner. And she and I believe Dr. Kathy Phillippi were talking this past week. And they were saying, you know, bellwether the church has attracted a lot of bellwethers. I think that's great. I love that. And I don't mean like, you know, the, the natural type A leader guy, but, but bellwethers, sometimes, bellwethers are pace setters. Bellwethers are countercultural. 
I mean, there are people who, man, I just don't jive with the status quo as much. There are people who, I mean, setting the pace, the trailblazers, they're out ahead of the pack sometimes. And we've drawn a lot of bellwethers. And I would say y'all that have stuck with us, and I say all of y'all are bellwethers. Because it's different here. And I'll be the first to say it. I mean, not just like worship style, meet, you know. I mean, it's different, man. We want to challenge you. We want to grow. You want to raise leaders. And, you know, it's hard, too. Let me be the first to say that. It's hard meeting here and setting up week to week and setting up the worship. And I mean, let's be honest. It's, it's not like just milk and cookies. That's okay. Because some of y'all are like, I want this. I want something real. Not that churches aren't real, but there's some churches that are like, we talked about real Christians and fake Christians a couple weeks ago. They're like some real churches, and there's some churches that are just playing the game, man. I mean, y'all know what I'm talking about. And that's meant nothing in disrespect. I mean, it is what it is. I just want to be a real church. We want to experience true revival. And sometimes that's hard, and sometimes that's tough. But the good thing about bellwethers is, man, they can do it. Some of y'all know it. You're like, man, I'm committed. I'm in. I want to be a pace setter. I want to be a trailblazer. I don't want the status quo. I don't want anything fake. I want the real deal. And the thing about a lot of bellwethers together, it can produce a movement. Produce a movement of the kingdom of God. And that can be 50, that can be 100, that can be 1,000. And that's what we want to do. We want bellwether, not just to be a, a church, a movement. Of people say, man, I'm going to be real, like I was talking to family and Jack. You know, I don't want to have to wear my superhero costume day after day, week after week. I want to be real before God. And I want to learn, I want to grow, I want to humble myself, and I want to worship, and I want to go, whether it's locally or globally. I want to be part of something like that. I mean, I know people. Like, That's, I want to be part of that. That's bellwether for me. If it's 10, it can be a movement. So today, I kind of titled the sermon, A Bellwether Movement. But I don't want to just say, you know, what it is or what we might think it would be. I want to look into God's Word. Because see, bellwether movements have happened over and over again throughout the history of the church. And we're looking at one today. This is in Acts chapter 8, verse 1 through 8. Movements of the people of the God, spreading the good news, the word of God. Look at this, Acts 8, verse 1 through 8. Starts off, not good news. It says, verse 1, Saul approved of his execution. That was Stephen's. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul, Saul who became Paul, but before he was Paul, he was Saul. Saul was ravaging the church, ravaging the church. And entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. Unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them and many who were paralyzed or lame 
were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Let's stop right there. What you just heard or read was a movement, a movement of God, a, a bellwether movement. Again, bellwether leaders, bellwether, pace setters, bellwether say, I'm going to strike out, I'm going to go. And this is what happens. So, first question I'd have, and if you want to follow in your bulletins, we do fill in the blanks. You don't have to, but you can use that. But how to be a movement, how to be a bellwether movement. You gather and you scatter. You gather together for love, for prayer, for support, for encouragement, but you don't stay together. You scatter out. Verse 4, it says this, those who were scattered didn't just scatter off and that was it. They went about preaching the word. They were together in Jerusalem, they scattered and they preached the word. And I think about this, I mean, this is, this is amazing. I mean, they had their church in Jerusalem, and they were persecuted. I mean, we just picked up on verse 1, chapter 8, but the whole chapter before that talks about Stephen being stoned. Stoned is like a tough way to go. And can you imagine just standing there and seeing stone after stone, and Saul approved of his ex- execution? But Saul... I think, I I believe, this doesn't say in the Bible, I believe Saul saw something in Stephen. I believe he saw something that was like just crazy. Like like radical. Like, here's this guy. In chapter 7 he says, hey, I see the face of the Lord. And then he says, Father, forgive them. And I think Saul got scared. I think Saul got scared of this. This this could be a movement. I mean, this this is a man who's, who's willingly having... Stones be thrown at him, beat down, dead. And he's saying, forgive them. I think he said, man, this is serious stuff. This is real stuff. This is scary stuff. And then he, he responded, ravaging the church. And out of death comes this great life. Stephen died. But then the church grew and the church Spread And even as Saul was persecuting them over and over again, they were going about proclaiming the word, preaching the good news. How do you be a movement? Yeah, you gather and you scatter. But when you scatter, everybody's committed to the mission. Everybody's committed to doing what they got to do to build and grow the movement. And it's just a part of your life. It's not what I call for the church, at least one fourteenth church. You know, seven days a week, half a day. It's not one seventh church. It is life. And you know something about Bellwether? We've already got this DNA in us. I mean, I was thinking through this week about everything people are doing, like on a, on a Monday to Saturday, you know, deal in the week. I mean, there, there's like so much going on. I mean, you start today this this mission with the youth going to feed Linda. Got good morning girls together. They talk, they share, they pray together last week. Y'all probably don't know this. We do a monthly ministry at Millsaps. Y'all probably don't know this, but Chris was leading worship at uh, CMDA. It's Christian Medical and Dental last year. Dr. Kathy Philippi is involved with that. I've been involved with that. You know, people don't know that or see that. You probably don't know, but the people, the ministries that use our Finder in Space, Youth for Christ, Transformation Jackson, all these local missions meet there. Not all of you know, sometimes you hear about the global missions. But, you know, Honduras, 
You know, okay, we got two trips going in July. Hey, we raised 11,000 more. Praise God. Let's send another team in January. And we got folks thinking about going to Africa in the spring. And India's still going. I mean, like, it is a life here. It's in the DNA. Praise God. And that's the church. We want it to grow. It is gathering here. Worship is powerful. Worship is something we need. We scatter. Christianity is life. That's the church. The church is life. That's who we want to be. That's who we want you to be. That's being a bellwether. And some folks don't want to do that. I mean, honestly, some folks are like, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with 114th Christianity. I'm cool with it. And, and, you know, we have a good cup of coffee in heaven. Talk about it. I don't think it's fully the life that Jesus wants for us. Because it's not the life that I see in the Bible. I think what we're beginning to grow and live out is a church. And we're going to continue growing it. And it's how to be a movement. So what would you do in a movement? Second question. I mean, what, you know, if we say, okay, we're a movement, we're scattered. What do we do specifically? I think here, in a couple verses, it tells us. Verse 5 says, Philip went down to Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard and saw signs that he did. Unclean spirits crying out came out of many and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. What do we do in a movement? One, we, we preach the word. We share. We, we speak the word. We, we speak the good news. Now, I'm not saying all y'all have to be preachers, but I mean, in our conversation, I mean, we, we testify, we, we proclaim. Something has to be spoken. I mean, I know the deal, you know, go and preach the gospel if necessary, use words. I think Mother Teresa said that. I mean, I believe that. But we do speak, and we got to use words, too. A, a great example of this in, like, a controversial uh, situation, our Wednesday night uh, group down in Fondren, we, uh, we talked about homosexuality this past Wednesday night. Because someone in the group said, you know, I've got all these friends who are gay. And, you know, I, I don't know. And they're very antagonistic towards the church. And, and rightfully so in, in some situations. And, and very antagonistic towards Christians. How, how do I communicate with them? And so we spent a lot of time Wednesday night talking about homosexuality. But also talking about, you know, how, how do we live the gospel? How do we, how do we speak it? And we kind of ended, you know, you know. For this person, telling them, hey, you know, I love you. You're, you're my friend and I want to be here for you. you know, but, but I believe what I believe because of Christ and because of the Bible. And, you know, but I want to be here for you and I'm praying for you and I love you. And I, you know, that's, that's sharing the gospel to people who can be very antagonistic, who, who wouldn't set foot in the church. And to be a witness. So we have to go about proclaiming. Not everybody's called to like stand and preach, but proclaim why we believe and live the way we do we do it indeed philip says he went and he healed spirits coming out so we have to as we scatter we've got to we got to do at the same time we got to we got to give we got to serve and you can do this in simple ways it's not like hey i want to sign up for a local mission hey i mean it's great if you go with the youth today or it's great if you go to hundreds those are great things but just in the simple ways we live our lives i mean one thing i love about our groups is you know if Somebody's got a baby in a group, man. They just they sign up, line up, feed them dinner, bring them meal. Man, that's great. That's, that's doing. That's, that's living the gospel. That's caring for one another. That's being the church. My wife and I and kids got a blessing uh, a week ago, two weeks ago, where a uh, young lady here, Emily Brazel, love Emily. She said, hey, I just feel led to 
bring y'all dinner tonight. I was like, yeah, come on, you know. <laughs> My wife's a great cook. But, you know, I was like, man, we were blessed. It's good. It's good to be blessed. We want our congregation to bless one another. That's what we want. Just simple acts, deeds, in word and in deed. And there's another thing, and I want to highlight this. This is really important. What do you do in a movement? What do you do in a Word, deed. Well, this is kind of a, well, the best way I could say it, racial reconciliation. All right, what are you talking about? Okay, I mean, that's a great, you know, catch word and, you know, politically correct. Racial reconciliation. Like, where do you, where do you see this here? That's what I see. Philip was a Jew. Jews hated, and that's a strong word, hated Samaritans. And Philip went to, where does it say? Samaria. He went to Samaria. Hated, he was raised hating a people, a place, a part of the country, and he went. And he preached the gospel to them, and he served them. He ministered to the sick. So, Racial reconciliation is a, is a, you know, kind of a big word, but really what I mean is, I mean, you go to people who are different than you. Maybe skin color, maybe different status, socioeconomic. And I want to say this because, you know, Bellwether has always been so big and great about community. And we came to JA, blessing, love it, we'll be here a little bit longer. But we're looking to leave. And one of the reasons, this place limits community. I mean, it, it limits community. I mean, we got the foyer where we visit and love one another out there, and then we come in here, and it seats 800, and, you know, kind of spread out. I mean, it limits community. And I was talking to a lady who um, was going to be joining the church and, you know, said something kind of kind of hurt me, broke my heart, broke Chris's heart, too. We were talking about it, just to be explicit. But first time she came, she said, the only two people who spoke to me were two people that were visiting, too. And that's not saying it to make y'all feel. I was just saying, you know, it, does, it limits community. And our human nature is we gravitate to people we're comfortable with. People who, hey, we, um, we get along with. Maybe we're similar to. Man, and I see this in churches everywhere. I, the church I grew up in, and love the church. But they're very satisfied. Just, hey, man, let's, let's love on one another. And somebody different, you know. I mean, honestly, the Hispanics at the apartment complex down the road, and this is in Myrtle, Mississippi, they're like, I, we don't really, I mean, we, we want to reach the world, but I don't know if we really want to reach the world. And we can't be that church or that type. We're not going to be. That's not a bellwether church. And it's hard. And that's why I'm saying when, you, when you're a movement, you know, you say, okay, I want to go in, in word, and go in deed, and go to people who, are different than us. It's what this church was found on, John 10, 16. There are others. There are others. There are others. It's not just about us. we got to go because they're lost people. And they may not look lost or seem lost, but they are. we got to go to them and love on them and say, we want you to come with us. So I, I would challenge you, you know, to, to say hey to someone who may be different from you here that you don't know. But how you do that really, I mean, that's that's... Great advice. But the only way to really truly do that from the heart is you look in the mirror and you say, there's no difference in me than anybody else. The only difference is the grace of God melting my heart. And if, if we all see the sin in our lives and realize what Jesus has done to wash over it, 
There's no difference. No difference in me and Hispanic or African American or rich or poor. There's no difference. We're all in this together. It's the bellwether movement. Last question I would say is, what's the result of a movement? The result? Joy. True joy. Joy not of this earth, not of this world. Supernatural joy. Verse 8 says, so there was much joy in that city. The passage we just started with, it began with death. It began with a horrible death. And then it led to persecution, ravaging. And then it led to a movement. People scattered, proclaimed, did. And it ended in joy. All of us want joy. All of us want true joy. We look to it in our our spouses. We look to it in our work. We look to it in our kids. And that joy won't always last. There's one true joy. It's the joy of Christ. And being part of something that is greater than ourselves or greater than an individual church, a movement of his kingdom, raising his kingdom above and beyond the world. But to do that, and this is why this passage is so key, to do that, we got to experience a little death. Again, there was death, there was persecution, and God brought life out of that, and God brought joy. Again, Stephen, I mean, a, a brutal death. And Christians throughout history physically died, were martyrs. And after every death and after every martyrdom, thrown to the lines, I mean, you know, all that stuff, the church grew. Today, I'm not asking to be a martyr. I mean, I don't want to be a martyr. I'm sure you don't either. But I'm asking all of us, we will have to experience like many deaths. Here's what I mean. You give a little more financially to a mission, to a church, to the poor. We're going to experience kind of a mini death. I mean, it's going, to, it's going to hurt. But life comes out of that. Joy comes out of that. Sometimes relationships change because if we're a movement for the kingdom, if we go and preach, whether by words or deeds, and sometimes relationships die. There's a, there's a mini death. It, it hurts. There's joy out of that. There's life. There's resurrection out of that. The message of the gospel There's life out of death. True life. Real life. To take a stand and say, I'm going to be a bellwether for Christ. It's a mini death first. Because you're saying, man, I'm I'm going to give it all. I'm going to die to self. I want this. I want the real deal. I want to serve. I want to give. It's, It's a mini death. But it's life. It's the only life there is. And a bellwether movement is like people gathered together and said, I want the real deal. And they say, we know that even if we experience pain or death or suffering or persecution, that true joy will come out of it. Again, let me say this. God has led some great people and leaders, bellwethers, to this church. Now I'll say this. If you're here today, I mean, I know you're wanting something different. You've hung with us. You've stuck with us. I, I believe you're a bellwether. And I, I thank you. I mean, as pastor, I mean, I thank you for giving in small or simple or great ways to the life of this church. God's doing something greater. He's already done something great. I, I told you about things, missions that we're doing. Heck, I continue to be blown away by the giving. We're up 20% again from last year. This is just the beginning. God can do so much more.
But let me be very honest, maybe more honest than I've ever been about this kind of stuff. The devil wants to get into churches. And it's not if, it's when. And the devil will do anything and everything to get into the life of a church, a bellwether church, that wants to be about the kingdom of God and raise leaders and heal marriages and heal relationships and send people. The devil will try to get in. And he's tried at this church. He's tried, he's attempted. And some would say, hey man, he's, he's got in at times. Maybe flushed him out and he'll try again. Because he wants to destroy the kingdom of God. So what do we do to combat the devil? Again, being real honest, real explicit. I want to share one other passage. This is in 1 Peter. 1 Peter 2, verse 1 through 5. And Peter was writing this letter to the church in Rome amidst persecution, had just started, and the devil was trying to get into. And he gives some great advice for them and for us and for all Bellwether churches about what to do. Stop him. How do you do that? He says, chapter 2, verse 1, Put away all malice, all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Malice, deceit, envy, slander. Put them away. Best way to combat the devil, love on one another. Love on one another. Love on one another. He says it here. We, we have the stone, the living stone that was rejected by men. And it says you're growing up. You're, you're putting the building blocks together to be this holy priesthood. That's not a singular word. That's, that's plural. Like us, a priesthood of believers. We got the building blocks. You and you and you and you. The building blocks coming together. To build a movement of God that's greater than anything in our lives. And just put the other stuff away. Love on one another and look to the living stone, Jesus Christ. And the building blocks will keep growing and growing. We've got to look to Him. We've got to put this other stuff away. He will try to come. Always, constantly, not if, when. But we look to Jesus. We can fight him, tell him to flee, and keep building up this holy priesthood, us, a bellwether movement. Last thing I would say, how does that happen, like, you know, individually, personally? Because it always comes down to a personal deal. I want to go back to Stephen. If you get a chance, read Acts 7. Before he died, before he was killed, he looked to the heavens, he saw the face of Jesus. He saw the face of the Lord. And he said, Father, forgive them. The face of Jesus, the light of Jesus, it, it, it melted him. Where getting hit by stones, he, 
forgiven. That's something nothing in this world can, can give us. Not education, not career, not even family. Jesus can. So how to start personally being a bellwether? And again, I think all of you already are. And just keep looking at the face of Jesus. And he will call you and compel you to do things you never imagined or dreamed, but will give you the greatest joy you've ever imagined. Hallelujah. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your church. Thank you for your bellwether church. I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the church through history that set the pace and that trailblazed across continents and towns and villages and cities and and that's growing it all over the world and that we can be a part of. I pray for protection over this church, dear Lord. There are so many good people here, so many good families here. Dear Lord, I want them all to see the face of Jesus over and over and over again. May it melt our hearts so that we will go in word and in deed and in reconciliation to people who are different and redeem people, save people, heal people. People who are part of something that's greater themselves and just like, what is going on here? Can't fathom this. Can't fathom that I, that I do anything like this. And yet we do. Thank you that we can. Thank you that we can in Jesus. Thank you only by your power does it happen. Let us trust in that, not on our own sinful selves, but in the name of Jesus. Amen.